Life Community is located in Gilbert, Arizona. You can learn more about us on our website at lifecommunityaz.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Welcome all the, you. <laughs> yes, I've never. It's the first time I've ever been whistled at in my entire life. I just for all you ladies that all get catcalls, this is my debut. So anyway, no. So anyway, a welcome online is what I was about to say. Then somebody whistled at me, and I just ADHD. How many know it doesn't take long to dis, just disconnect and go the other way? Anyway, I am so excited about what I'm talking about, and I'm excited about today, and I'm really excited about next week. And so it's. Uh, I was speaking to, to a, a group the other day, and I was talking about money, and I can talk about money at the drop of a hat, and as I'm talking, I'm really realizing I'm throwing a lot of information out, and it's like drinking water out of a fire hose. It's just too much, and the voice inside my head said, Delmer, it's too much, and I said, I just can't stop, and so I kept right on going, and everyone was patient and uh, confused by the time it was done. So I've got, this is my wheelhouse, guys, the kingdom of God. It is the nearest, the nearest thing to my heart. It has changed my life. It changed the trajectory of my life 45 years ago when, I, when, when this, what I'm going to talk to you, was opened up to me. It changed my world. And I had a pretty good world up to that point. My folks were pastors. I loved the Lord. I got saved when I was six, called to ministry when I was 12, never wanted to do anything but that. People gripe about going to church. We love church. A little boring, but afterwards you got to play with your friends. And all of our friends were at church, and, and sometimes if we were real good, we got to go to A&W and buy a 25-cent root beer, and that was uh, styling, you know. Anyway, and so, uh, and so I've got a lot to say, so Delmer, why don't you quit talking and start saying it? Don't uh, think I will. Talking about kingdoms in conflict. And so I'm really And so I hope during this time and in the weeks to come, do some myth busting. Who's ever believed things that weren't true? Only half of us. Well, good for you. I'm glad you're so astute. But I, I believe things that weren't true in you, and you don't believe it because you, you just believe it because somebody told you or somebody significant said it, and you, so you believe it's true. And then you live a while, then you realize, you know, that's not true. And I've, I've lived through a lot of things that I realized weren't true. Sometimes a tradition, and, and tradition's not a bad thing. It's not an evil thing, except if it gets in the way of the truth. Uh, and so what I want to talk about today is God's kingdom, is here. I hope you got a bulletin. Jamie mentioned it, and you're going to need one because it's, it's going to make more sense if you, if you get a bulletin. Now, I talked last week about what, what I call a salvation complex, and it's when I was a little kid, you get saved and get baptized in water and maybe baptized in the Spirit if you're one of those kind of people, but it, and then the next big thing was when you die. And so if you were saved like I was six years old or so, whoa, you got a long time until the next big event. And so, and it, when it dawned on me that the kingdom of God is not the place you're going to go, well, you will go when you're old and die. There is, we'll talk about that. But the kingdom of God is here. It is now. Uh, it's uh, Jesus' birth. He comes along and then they said, behold, the Savior is born. He's going to save his people from their sins and forgive them and all those kinds of things. And Mary and Joseph meant so much to them. And not much was talked about a king until the Magi show up two years later and they show up to Jerusalem. It took them a while to get there because they were men and they would not ask directions. <laughs> anyway, 
You've heard that one before, heard it last week. Anyway, and so the Magi shows up, and they say to Herod and, and the rest of the people in, in Israel, where's this king that's been born? And Herod says, king? Yeah, the king of the Jews was born a couple years ago. We saw a star, and we've come. And the Bible says that Herod was upset. He was so upset that somebody's going to take his throne. He slaughtered little babies, little baby boys in the area that were two years old and under. The angel told Mary and Joseph they needed to go to tall timber, and so they had left town. But Herod was incredibly jealous, and the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders, didn't like any kind of ruffling because they had a good deal going on with Herod. And so Jesus, John comes preaching the kingdom of God. Jesus comes preaching the kingdom of God. And sometimes we think the kingdom of God is then, and then he makes it very clear. The kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. It's as close as your hand. He says the kingdom of God is now out there. Go look there. Go to that church. Go to this church. Whatever. He says the kingdom of God is within you. Whoa. It's not the place you go, and we all hope you get to the right church. Matter of fact, this is the right church, and we got it all. Just easy. No, no, no. And so the kingdom of God is not out there somewhere. It is in here. And so the kingdom of God can thrive wherever I'm at. I may be in a really good place, and I might be in a really bad place. Things may in the world may be going my way, or they may not be going my way. I don't have to be affected or controlled by any of those. We are affected because the kingdom of God is not out there. It's in here. And Jesus can reign wherever God rules. That's where his kingdom is. And so I want to talk to us about that. It's a condition of the heart. So getting started. Now get ready for a little magic. I call this technology for old people. And I can make fun of you old people because I are one. Okay, get ready, get ready. Ah, how do they do that? I have no idea how they do that. Let me. <laughs> you can see the technology was not my skill. Okay, in your bulletin, it kind of says this. Now, this is two kingdoms, this kingdom and this kingdom. We'll talk about those in a second. And uh, there's the kingdom of death. We have been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his own son, the kingdom of light. Uh, we have, we've, we've passed from death to life, John says, because we, that's how we know we've passed from death to life, because we love the brother. Uh, the, when Adam and Eve sinned, God says, I'm going to curse the ground. And so we live in a world that is cursed, and that's why it is not temperature that isn't warm. It's so temporary. What God's plan is eternal. And I'm concerned about the earth and we ought to recycle and do all the things that are so important. But the truth is, this earth is just a temporal place. You understand that, don't you? This is not going to last forever. We need to be good stewards, but it's not going to last forever. And I'm not, a, I'm not suggesting we trash the place, but this is not our permanent home. There is an eternal world that's yet to come. And so God, when, he was in, when Adam and Eve sinned, he said, I'm going to curse the ground. And so we live in a world that's been cursed. And I heard Winky Prattney, if you've ever heard that name, it's an old, old name from way back. Prattney says that we look at, at a rose out of a, that grew out of a ground that's been cursed. And we look at a rose through the eyes of a body with a sentence of death on it, because we're all going to die. Prattney says, we've never seen the kind of rose that's going to grow out of God's new creation with God's new body. He says, you think you understand color now. 
wait till you get your new body. We don't have any idea what that's going to be because that's in this world. There's the natural world. Jesus talks about it. And there is the spiritual world that's from cursed to, to blessed. And so, and then when you, there's hell and there's heaven. Now, for those of you that believe in original sin, I don't. Sorry about that. I think for all have sinned, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't think you're born a sinner. And if you think you are, that's why some denominations, they got to get their babies baptized. Because if that child should die through some child's disease or something, that child wouldn't go to heaven because he's born a sinner. What I've learned, at least with my children, I didn't have to teach them to sin. Anybody you have to work with your child? It's about lying. Now, Junior, you know, when you're in trouble, if you'll just say your sister did it, then, you know, you don't have to. That comes automatic. And we're, 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 born, we're in sin, but we're not born there. But we, Paul says we've all sinned. Now, if you believe in the in, in, uh, original sin, go right ahead. I'm not going to rock your boat. And so when, you, when you're here and you die, you go to hell. Now, some think it's a literal fire. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to fight with you over that. Some think it's figurative, and I, I won't tell you what I think, but I, uh, I, I'm not going to go after that. So when you die and you're on this side, I don't care if you're a nice guy or a bad guy, if you're Adolf Hitler or you're just somebody that said no to Jesus, when you die, you go to hell. The Bible calls it the second death, eternal death. And when you're here and you die, you go to heaven. Now, who's ever known people here that were kind of jerks? Anybody know jerky Christians? You never knew anyone? Well, welcome to Life Community Church. Really, we were the perfect church till you came. No, no, no. And that's, that's why some people, oh, they're so nice. Well, that's true, but they're here. And so, uh, so Jesus says, uh, it's, in, it's in your bulletin there, John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. Born again. See, you're born here because of your sin, and then you're born again. He goes on to say, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water. And I put that in there in parentheses, natural and, and the spirit, I don't mean natural as opposed to Lamaze, as opposed to C-section, naturally born. He's not talking about being baptized in water. You've got to be baptized in water or else you're not going to heaven. Jesus didn't say that. He says there's a natural birth and that's in water and there's a spiritual birth. He goes on to say, but, but flesh gives birth to flesh. How many know when you and, you and your spouse, when you had a baby, you didn't give birth to a puppy? You didn't give birth to a cat? You gave birth to a little you. <laughs> yeah, I know you don't admit that, but they are just like you. Anyway, and so it's, uh, you, you get, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So don't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Jesus said it's understand. He says, you can't enter here, nor can you see it. Now, I gave up a lucrative career in art to work at this job. Remember my little umbrella. Got a little pointy at the top.
I tried to do the traveler's umbrella, and I think it looks like an anchor. Now, Jesus says, when you're here, you can't even see this. You don't even see it. And so what God did, uh, it takes me to number two, Jesus the only, is the only bridge to God. So get ready for the magic here. So what does God do? He takes this line of separation, and he bridges the gap and becomes the mediator between, I, have to, I can't spell and write at the same time, and if I forgot to spell Jesus, then I've got problems here. Anyway, so what, what God does is he creates a bridge from here to here. And, and I mean, First uh, Timothy 2.5 says, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Acts 4.12 says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name by which we must be saved. Now, Christianity is really broad. There's some people that really like a traditional style and, and a liturgy and, and everything all written out and, and very structured. And some people, man, it's chandelier time. How I many of you, who's ever been in one of those churches? And it's just, uh, I guess it's, they said it's that spirit led. It's, I think it's really ill planned, but it's spirit led and just anything, everything goes and people say, and God only knows what happens and they run all over and fall down and. And, and that's church, and they, they like that. And if you like that, uh, you ought to go to one of those because we're probably not one. But anyway, so it's somewhere in between. We all find our place. So inside of Jesus, it is really broad. There are some that, that don't even go to church. Maybe they go online, and we're so glad you're here with us today. And we appreciate you being here. But it's, it's inside Jesus. It's really broad. But getting in, the, he said, the gate is really narrow. No other name, and we hold to that. There is no other name given where we must be saved because Jesus is the only one who was worthy to become a sacrifice for our sins. There have been a lot of good martyrs for Christ who gave their lives and suffered and, and, and died and all those kind of things, and they gave their life for the cause, but they didn't uh, measure up to the level that Jesus was in that we believe his sacrifice was special, his blood was special, we're gonna take communion in a bit, his sacrifice was special because he was sinless. See, and God is really holy. He is really just. And he said that the soul that sins is gonna die. And every one of us have died. And so what we do, we put our faith in the work that Jesus did and we get in under his ticket and not ours, and God just can't look away and say, oh, well. See, one of the things we don't like about some, some things that happen is the injustice. That's not fair. It's because they get special treatment, and because they're of this, uh, whatever race or economic or friendship, we don't want the world, we want to live in a rule of law, amen? We want things to be just. And so sometimes we get mad at God because he's just. He's righteous. He is holy. And what God wanted to do was more than just get you out of hell. He wanted to be at one with you. Atonement, at one meant. What God's design when he sent his son Jesus is that he would die for our sins. We would put our faith in Christ and not ourselves. See, and we're just nuts about this. We're always trying to earn our own way. I don't take welfare, I'll tell you what, I'm going to earn my way. And so we try harder to keep some kind of law. Maybe you got from your church, maybe you get from the Bible, maybe you get it out of your own head or out of your own tradition. But if you'd be good enough, then you can get over here. And that's simply not true. 
the only way from here to there is through Jesus. You cannot buy your way into heaven. But if you'd like to try, now would be a good time to do it. Just easy, just easy. <laughs> so we have all kinds of attempts to get in. And so if I just be good, and if I just try harder, or if I balance things out, if I do more good than bad, ah, I'm in, because I did that thing. And so we concoct little, little notions in our head. And churches, traditions, if you, if you used to be, if you don't go drinking, dancing, and smoking, then you could go to heaven. Or at least if you smoked, it had to be behind the church. We had folks that smoked, and they shouldn't smoke, but at least they behind the church, and then they were okay. And, then, and so the balancing act compared to others, well, compared to them, I'm just a saint, and they're just scumbag, but, but I guess because I'm so much better, and, and the truth of it is, is it's, not, it's not that way. Galatians says we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. It says in Titus, he saved us, not because of our righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. We can't pay for that ourselves. We do not have the wherewithal. If you got arrested and they and I said, well, sure, I'll I'll I'll, I'll give money for a bail, and they said it's five million. I'd say, oh, I'm sorry, I thought it was fifty dollars. I can afford fifty or a hundred dollars to go your bail, as it were, but I don't have that kind of money, nor do I have this kind of righteousness. And God wants to not just get me out of hell. He wants to become one with me. Emmanuel, which God with us. He's not just walking alongside of us. He is in us. We are in him. A union that it's hard to imagine. So Paul uses the marriage union. The two become one. He says, I'm talking about husband and wife, but I'm really talking about Christ and his church. And that you can be one with God. What an opportunity. See, water baptism then, 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 then celebrates this. See, water baptism doesn't make it happen. Uh, Paul said, he says, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. So that's why you go under the water. And then as we've been baptized into his death, so we, when we come out of the water, are raised with Christ to have a brand new life. Baptism doesn't make it happen any more than a funeral makes, you don't have... You, a funeral doesn't make somebody die. When someone dies, you have a funeral. And so what water baptism is, it just celebrates what's already happened. It's good to get baptized in water. If you've never been, you online, if you've never been baptized in water, we've got a tank here. We can do it anytime. We always say, we're ready when you are. And so here's, now here's where I want to get to today. See, Jesus says you can't see it from here. But, so you must be born again to enter. But just because you're over here doesn't mean you're under here. Just because you're on this side doesn't mean you're under it. I know all kinds of people that are over here. In the olden days, we called them carnal Christians. You know, this is kind of nice. Maybe not for online because you can't see my face, but I can see you now. No, it's, and, so, and so a lot of folks are over here, and they're good folks, you know, good 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 folks and they believe in Jesus and if you ask them if they had their sins forgiven they'd say yes but they're just as selfish as goats anybody know anybody like that how many know if you were ugly here you're going to be ugly here too <laughs> I mean let me don't go ugly if you're fat here you're probably going to be fat here too well I thought that when you come to Jesus all your problems went away well you thought wrong 
And I'm not, the truth is there are principles in life that work. They may not be, it's all God's. How I many gravity works for everybody? The laws of nature work for the saved and the, the saved and the sinner. It's the same principles that work. Some people have learned the right principles and, and whatever, and life goes pretty well for them. That doesn't mean they're Christian. And some people may be Christian and life goes terrible for them because they've got the whole wrong set of principles. They think wrong, they do wrong, all other kinds of stuff. And so Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And he's not talking about the future kingdom of God. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, in that day, aha, in that day, like in the future, like when you die and you go stand before the great white throne, so we think. So when you stand there, he said, in that day, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils in your name. And we've done wonderful things in your name. And he said, and I'm going to say back to them, depart from me. I never asked you to do that. Some people think that's like when you stand before heaven and there's a, a door to heaven and a chute to hell. That you stand there and he says, Lord, Lord, we've done these things and God's going to just drop the floor out from under you and you go straight to hell. That's not what he's talking about today at all. He's talking about when you're here and you want to go here and you say, Lord, I deserve that because I did this and this and this and this and this. He said, I never asked you to do that. Pastor, I've sacrificed my family for the work of the Lord. I did this and I worked so hard. And I tell you what, and I was not a good father because I was always serving the Lord. And Jesus said, baloney. You didn't do that for me. You did it for you. Well, I've given all my money. You did it for yourself. Don't tell me. He said, I never ask you to do that. See, because I think a lot of folks here that need to come under here, I think that is the secret to living a successful Christian life is getting under this umbrella. And that's where the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is the part that's over us, that shields us from the rain that comes down. And when all hell breaks loose all around you, it hits your umbrella and rolls off. And you say, well, I'd like there, but I'm not going to do what he told me to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I want to do, and I want to cast out demons, and I want this, and I want that. And God says, fine, go right ahead, but you're not going to be under the umbrella. I don't care what you do. I don't, care how, I don't care what you do. I don't care how many demons you can bind. Jesus said, I never ask you to do that. He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, is what the translation says. And iniquity is, is lawlessness. You're not going to tell me. Ah, God says, we'll talk about that. And I'm going to talk about that in a couple of weeks, but not today. See, and the whole bargaining with God thing. See, you, you tell me whatever you say, and I think, well, I believe you. You're just a, just a great person. Boy, I'll tell you what, you're just wonderful. I'm, I'm sure you're going to get into that kingdom thing. I'm sure you're going to fit under the umbrella just fine. Because you tell me how good you are and I love God and pray and read the Bible and all, whatever you say. And I say, see, because I believe what you say because I'm kind of gullible. Oh, that's great. I'm sure. But I'm not the gatekeeper. See, I'm not the gatekeeper here. I'm not the one that determines who gets in and who doesn't. God does. Jesus does. And the truth is he's, he's not terribly impressed by all of our works of righteousness. He's looking at a condition of the heart. I don't care what you do, how surrendered are you? 
Because those of us with maybe type A personalities, we can do it all day long. But there may not be much surrender there. So Paul tells Timothy, in a great house, there are vessels of honor, vessels of honor, and vessels of dishonor. And Paul tells Timothy, he says, if you'll cleanse yourself from some of this garbage going on, you'll be a vessel of honor. Now, what I understand is, how many know some people have good kids, and sometimes your kids are not such good kids? Whoever likes to just brag, oh, my kids, this and that, and who likes to get sometimes real quiet when you talk about your kids? Because in every family, on occasion, you've got your kids are just these perfect angels, and then they're demoniacs from hell. <laughs> And so, and, so, and so he says there, there, there's a difference. That's why a lot of Christians are good folks. They're not bad, evil people. And we appreciate you being and online here today because without you, I'm talking to myself. And so uh, God sees the heart. And so uh, when I was a young pastor in the Galath, I, I went there when I was about 24, really 25 years old. And I had been raised in this wonderful picket fence environment. My folks were pastors, and like I said, I loved church, found Jesus when I was six, and uh, it was just a wonderful little world for me. And, and not the Assembly of God, it was, it was not, not a, it's not a shot at them, but I was raised in a little box world, and this is how things are. And it's black and white, and you know how kids are. Things are right, things are wrong, and there's no shades of gray. So I'm pastoring this church, and we're within a stone's throw of the Mexican border. So I come from this perfect little world into the heart of Nogales, and my word, were things different there. And so we had this little church going there, 40 or 50 of us, and we were doing, you know, grown, and, and we were doing well, and had, uh, that's before we could afford janitors and those kinds of things. And so we'd have uh, rotation janitors, and different people would clean the church every week, and we would go through that kind of thing. And there was this family in the church, and they're just great, great people. Served the Lord, and they were givers. And when you've got 35 people, how many of you know you appreciate every giver you can get? <laughs> Anyway, so they were givers and, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, he came in one time and, and was all upset and, and, and kind of teary. And I said, what's going on? I'll call him Fred. I said, what's going on, Fred? And he said, I've had an affair. Oh, my God. And I'd never talked to somebody, a live person, who had actually done that. I had heard about him. But I never knew one and never had one in our church. And so from my training, obviously, well, that's one of the ones you go to hell for. Well, you're not even a Christian. Could I put him in hell for that? I mean, who wouldn't? And his wife was ready to put him there too. And so he cried, I cried, we prayed. He got saved again and came back over. Oh, glad that's over until the next month. And he would come in on a Monday. When I saw him on a Monday, I would say, oh, no. And sure enough, old Fred had done it again, and he was so sorry, and, and he would cry, and I'd cry, and we'd put him in hell, and he'd come back. And so he would uh, get saved over and over and over again, because that's all you can do when somebody does something that bad, is put him in hell. And so I'm, I, this is just blowing my world, because this guy really seemed to be sorry, and I think he was. And he would pray, and I would pray, cast demons out, the demon of lust and all that, cast out, and somehow it'd get on him again when he left the room. And so we were really trying, and this went on for months and months. And the only thing I knew to do with this guy is 
put him in hell because that's what you're supposed to do with people that do bad things. And I was reading out of, it's not in your bulletin, I wish it were, but reading out of Galatians 5. And it says the works of the flesh are adultery. Ah, oh, right there it is. Right there it is. And fornication, we weren't sure what that was, but we knew we didn't do it. <laughs> Lustful pleasures, never. Idolatry, no, we don't have statues in our church. We're not into that. And then from a Catholic community, you had just had to understand the beauty of that. And drunkenness, drunkenness, are you kidding? We didn't even drink beer, nor wine, not even with dinner. It's wrong. Go to hell for that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I see the rest of the list. Quarreling. Well, sure. You ever been to a fundamentalist church fight? Oh, having a business meeting and people get so upset they just start yelling and screaming. Well, they sure. Jealousy. What do you think it made us work so hard? We wanted to be bigger than the Baptists up the street. So you betcha we're going to be better than them and motivated by jealousy. And I'm thinking, well, these are Christian sins and God doesn't bo isn't bothered by those. Uh, outbursts of anger. Oh, my word. Well, of course. Selfish ambition, division, envy. And then Paul says, they that do things like these, such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I told God, see, he's not going to inherit, he's going to go to hell. And God says, I never said they'd go to hell. I said, they wouldn't come into their inheritance. And when I understood that truth, it changed everything for me. He didn't say they'd go to hell. He says, they won't come into what I've got for them. All of a sudden, my paradigm shifted. And instead of these guys weren't really saved in the first place, so they wouldn't do that. And then you work with other folks. It might not have been the same kind of problem, but there were same, some problems that go on. And you can't put everybody in hell or else you're the only one going to heaven. <laughs> For sure, he unleashed hell on his family. Tore the world up with it. And after six or eight months of this, what, uh, let me tell the end of the story. I'm not sure it's a good solution. I wasn't sure to tell it, but what I did, I didn't know any different. So after six, eight months of this, he came in, sure enough, on a Monday. And I said, Fred, I can guarantee you, you'll never do this again. Oh, pastor, anything, tell me how. And before cell phones, and my phone was uh, one of the wall phones, I picked the wall phone off the wall, hand, stuck it out in the air. I said, call your boss today and quit and never go across the line, uh, the border, Nagalis would call it across the line, never go across the line again. He was a big ranking executive, an American executive working with uh, Mexican laborers, and he had thousands under his control, literally, and he took advantage of that. I said, quit your job today, never go back to work, and you won't have an affair with that gal again. And he looked at me and he said, are you kidding me? And I had the phone, I remember, I had the phone in the air. I said, do it or quit complaining. I don't want to hear it again. <laughs> and it seemed like an eternity. But he made the decision to call his boss while I was sitting there. And he called his boss and I said, he said, I've got some problems, I've been inappropriate with, and gave the details expecting to get fired, and his boss says, this happens often. We will transfer you to Pennsylvania. 
He got transferred, got a promotion. He and his wife put their lives back together. And the last time I heard, they were living happily ever after. So it had a good story. But what it, and I'm happy for him. But what it did for me gave me a whole different context in which to see people and their problems. You can be saved. See, Jesus says you, you can't even see it from here. But you can enter. But it doesn't mean you're in the kingdom. That God reigns over you. That he rules over your life. And we talked last week about the different aspects of our life. See, some just live under his umbrella in all kinds of areas, but in some areas, the umbrella's over here, and they're getting wet. They're getting rained on because there's that willful way to do it my way. Talk about that next week. I just can't wait, hardly wait till next week. And so he, uh, so God's umbrella, point number three, by the way. God's umbrella is identity, Inheritance and purpose. See, John said, beloved, now are we the sons of God, children of God. It's not going to happen someday, but you stepped into eternity when you said yes to Jesus. Now are we the children of God. It's not going to happen when you die and you get any land in heaven. Oh, now I'm a child. He says, no. We live in the dimension of, of, a, of the eternal now. And then Romans 8, it's in your bulletin there. He says, since we are God's children, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Do you understand that your older brother is Jesus himself? And when he died for our sins and paid the penalty and then come up out of the grave, he came as our older brother, and we're many of the, the, of the children yet to follow, but we're heirs of God, and we share heirs of God with our Savior Jesus. So God says, I'm not looking for a bunch of robots here. I'm not looking for a bunch of just servants that do, that do good. He says, I'm looking for partnership. I'm looking for co-heirs with my son. So our identity, see, we identify with Christ, first of all, in, in our baptism. We, like Christ, died, and we, like Christ, come to newness of life. That's part of the power of baptism is you identify with Jesus. Another thing is to identify with the body of Christ, with his church, with his people. We all had a good laugh and we knew some people who were kind of jerks, which we all do. But the truth of it is, it's a wonderful thing when you can stand with those jerks. Support them. Strengthen them. Love them. You don't have to correct them. You don't have to give them the what for for whatever they've done wrong. But you can stand there with them. I'm not trying to be the hero, but what I did for that young man that was having all kinds of problems, stood with him. Everything in me wanted to put him in hell, but I somehow knew better than that. Stand with the people of the Lord. There's an inheritance. Woo, Rich. No, no, no. There's an inheritance. Comes with Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be opened, that you might know the riches of his glorious inheritance for his people. Peter says it a different way. He says, there's an inheritance uh, reserved in heaven for you that is never going to perish, never spoil or never fade. It's kept in heaven for you. There's an inheritance for you. 
there's an identity and there's inheritance. And this last one is just the, 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 the wheelhouse for me. It's the purpose. You're not just saved to go to heaven someday and sit on a cloud from a harp. How horrible. I've heard preachers say, hey, eternity is going to be a 10,000-year service. And I thought, my God, I hope not. <laughs> I can barely stand the hour ones or the hour and three minutes. Excuse me again. See, and so, and so Jesus, it's the great commission. When he died and rose again, he brings all of his boys together, and he says, guys, I want you to know that when I came out of that grave, God verified everything that I said. So here's what all authority has been given to me, and I'm giving it to you. So you go into all the world and preach the gospel to anybody that will listen. Baptize them. Teach them to observe all the things I've commanded you. Now, here's where we get it, get, get from. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, seeing what happens is the church just gets inward, inward, inward. And it grows inward because everyone thinks their ministry is for the church. Well, my ministry, I'm an usher. I work with the kids. I help clean. I build whatever. That's, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. The church is not the field. He's talking about when he's talking about his kingdom. He says the field is the world. Where your ministry is, is not in the church. We appreciate those that help out and all that kind of stuff. Your ministry is out here. We are the force. We're not the field. We've been called to go into all the world and share Jesus and not just preaching machines. I'm not talking about that. Be who you are, where you are. Instead of everybody trying to clog the system and, and fill up all the workers we have and everybody does their ministry here, which is fine. We appreciate all that they do. But the truth of it is, the purpose of getting Jesus is to go out to people who don't know him and share the gospel and be a light to the world. Light that doesn't criticize. Be salt that, that preserves, not judges. To display the unconditional love of God. That's your ministry. That's your purpose. Not to scold. See, Paul said it's really foolish to think that the outsiders, he called them, it would have been the world, the unchurched, are supposed to live by Christian standards. Where did we get that from? That our goal is to go out in the world and tell them what they've done wrong. Are you kidding me? I don't know why they won't listen to me. I tell them what they're doing wrong every day. What's stupid? No offense. Did I say stupid and right in church? I think he used the S word. <laughs> Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them. God didn't go. That's why Jesus got along so well with the unchurched people, with sinners and publicans and republicans, by the way. No, by, by, with sinners is that he wasn't pointing out all they were wrong, where they were wrong. You know, that abortion and that gay and that this and that and that. No, no, he didn't do that. When you do wrong, you know it more than anybody else. And what you don't need is some good do-gooder coming pointing out where you're wrong. He was in the world, not counting men's sins against them. We think, and that's where your tradition has messed you up, we think we're taking a stand for God. No, you're not. You're belligerent. And you're picking on the weak and telling them where they've done wrong. I'm standing for Jesus. Baloney. Get that and smoke it. 
No, 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 no. I, just, I would rather not pander to any crowd but you. <laughs> sorry, sorry. See, and then Paul goes on to say in, in, in verse 19, this is the wonderful message he's given to us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors. Could it be? I said it last night, and I thought after I said it, I'm not saying that on Sunday because last night I was not being taped, and I know I am. <laughs> Could it be? Just, just a thought, just, just, just a wild thought, and then maybe just preacher talk. Maybe you don't need one more Bible study on the book of John. That you understand every Greek and Hebrew inflection that could be. Maybe you're sitting next to a school that kids need help with their homework. Maybe these booths and tables out front are not for us to have a nice place when we come to church and drink our coffee. I'd like to see them filled with children and Christians helping them with their homework. Not slipping a Bible underneath. Yes. Not slipping a Bible underneath and not throwing Jesus in every chance you get. If you're a fifth grader and you don't understand math, you need somebody who does that can help you. And if you do, I'll tell you, those parents are going to appreciate you because they got to pay for it elsewhere. But we can offer that. <laughs> well, maybe not math. <laughs> I could help with the third grade math. See, and I think the church gets caught up in its own activity. Drunk with its own, uh, 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 on itself. So musicians come. And I only say that to give you hope that I am winding this down. <laughs> Takes me to point number four. Do you think the umbrella is primarily protective or restrictive. You look at this umbrella, say, man, so many rules. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. And, and kind of that's true. Do you look at it as being protection? Oh, thank God. When all the world goes to hell, I'm not going to. When all the world is topsy-turvy, when political goes just nuts, I'm not going to be affected by that. Affected, but I'm not going to be controlled by that. But the truth of it is, it can be restrictive if you don't want to be under it. If you want to go play with the girls or boys. Nah, you know, no, my little friend couldn't get under until he had learned to work through his own sexuality. To your own response to authority. I tell you, I submit to God that nobody else. No, you don't. You're lying to yourself, bud. You want to believe that because it sounds so pious. And other people have told you how wonderful you are. But he is the gatekeeper. You want to think you're going to get in because you throw 10% in the offering and nobody's going to tell me what to do with the rest of it. Oh, so restrictive that it seems like God's involved in every area of your life. And, well, you know, what's going on here? Yeah, he is. Every single area of your life. The 
part that is public and the part that is not. So I think it all determines on really where you want to be. Do you want to be out here? And the umbrella's over there. It's your business, not mine. But if I'm willing to come under, and the word submit means to come under, to surrender, it's amazing how this thing will protect me from the toils of life and the rigors that have many people just drowning with stress and problems. Proverbs 19 says that we mess up our lives and then blame God. Sometimes we live by the consequences of our own stupid behavior and then call it God's punishment. And the truth it is, God poured all of his anger, all of his punishment, all of his wrath out on his own dear son when he hung on the cross. The anger of God has been justified. There are consequences, but they're not God pouring his anger out on you because your Savior took that on himself. Isaiah said, and it pleased the Father to bruise him because he knew what was coming down the pike for you and me. The kingdom of God isn't really about behavior. It's about staying under that umbrella. I'm not saying that I am perfect, because I'm not. But I really want that umbrella for you. I think for me personally, it has kept me all these years. And I want it to keep you. And I want it to protect you. And bring you righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. first step is if you've never opened your life to Jesus. It starts there. That's the first step. And the second one is, Lord, I'm available. He knows where to find you. See, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. He's talking to people that are already over here. He said, seek first the kingdom. Because sometimes you got to look for it. If you'll just open your life. Here I am, God, I'm available. He will come and he'll help you to get under that umbrella. We're going to receive communion and then we'll stand and worship. So Roy, come right ahead. What a great message this morning. So it's my to go ahead and lead us in communion. And I have a portion of scripture that I want to read out to you, and it comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And it says, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he also took the cup, and he said, This cup is the new covenant established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
And so when we partake of communion, this message was brought to us today. We're crossing the bridge, recognizing that Jesus, you died so that I could cross over this bridge, so that I could come under the umbrella of this new covenant, and it was paid for by your blood. And we do this openly, and we do this, and we acknowledge that. And it's not something that's light and, you know, it's just traditional. We can really make it something that is meaningful. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you've done this for me. And so let's go ahead and open your bread side. And we can take it together. Let's take it together. Lord, thank you for your body, which is for us. Now the drink. Lord, thank you that you gave your blood and you give a new covenant to us freely. We thank you, Lord. Let's drink together. We can all stand, and I'm going to pray very quickly. Father God, we do thank you that you gave your son as a precious gift, as the bridge that we can cross over and we receive all the benefits of this new covenant. We understand and we know that this wasn't a light thing, that your son spilled his blood for us. And God, we just rejoice and we thank you for this opportunity to come and to live under this umbrella. And we're gonna sing out praises to your name and we're going to reflect on all of your goodness this afternoon. Lord, thank you in Jesus' loving name. Amen.